Welcome to the second season of our Triune Pod. We are still preparing you to praise. Join me, the Reverend Nick Comiskey, and the Reverend Bendy Hart for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the Psalms. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to our triune pod. Nick, we had a week off. How you doing? I'm well, Ben. I'm rested. Um, I am, I'm renewed my dedication to the church of our triune pod and I'm ready to worship. How about you? Yeah, man. Actually, I, I kind of needed that. This was all unintentional friends. I had a flight that got postponed and postponed and then canceled. And then my life went up in the air and then getting together with Nick. So Ben, did you, would you didn't work? Did you wear a mask on the plane? I, I came in with a mask on because I wanted to be respectful to the person sitting next to me. Yeah. He's not knowing. I <laughs> know. I was but then when no one, question. when no one was next to me wearing a mask, I took it off. Was it weird? No. Exactly. Yeah. I, I we not should preface all. this conversation. I think both of us are not COVID alarmists, nor like, it doesn't matter, do whatever you want. I think we both tried to like toe that middle line that, you know, the, the third way as it were. Um, yeah. so, I mean, but, was I wearing an N95, which are the only ones that really work? No, but yeah. I wanted to be respectful to the person. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've talked to folks who've been flying recently and I could just imagine it would feel weird. I haven't flown since they lifted the mandate, the federal thing. So I, I haven't done it yet, but I'm assuming that would feel a little weird. I think I've read those articles early on that whether they're true or not, that an airplane, especially a commercial airplane, is one of the most ventilated. Yeah, the filtration is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for whatever reason, from the very beginning, when I visited you in Austin way back. The summer of 2020, yeah. When I did wear an N95, which I immediately regretted because <laughs> six hours of that. So they're really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I never really felt that scared. Um, I think when I came down to Birmingham, and we had a staff meeting with 35 people in this one room, having just come from New York while Omicron is raging. That felt more uncomfortable than going in the airplane. That's fair. That's fair. Huh. So, dude, can I tell you about this, this podcast I've been listening to? Uh, no, this is a very annoying feature of podcasts to talk about other podcasts. But have you ever heard of the um, Bandsplain show? No. It's on, it's like through Spotify. It's like their own, like, podcast recording empire within spotify it sounds like something your brother needs to be on uh yeah they do what they do is these like deep deep dives into particular bands and when i say deep dive i mean like several hours and they did two four hour episodes on radiohead where they go through every album and they talk about the background of the album and then the host and they have like a guest and the guest for this particular pod is a uh, like music guy like music writer he's been in bands he studied music theory so he'll like walk through like and point out all these details man i am just i mean radio is probably my favorite band of all time like i've spent a lot of time listening to especially those like first five records and i've just been listening to radiohead nonstop. are you a radiohead guy awesome. i don't feel like we've ever really talked about that band. yeah yeah i mean so i think i was kind of a like a you know radio fan for a long time, but in college when in rainbows came out and you could you know pay whatever you wanted for that album, and I regret to say I don't really regret to say, it, but I paid like one cent for whatever, and then I just got yeah. so into it, which made me 
really listen to the albums as opposed to just knowing songs like creep or this or absolutely that. yeah so yeah. Do you have, have you been like a lifelong fan or was that kind of a later uh, i mean yeah i was like six when the first album came out so i definitely was not a lifelong fan um yeah i no, i would say no i think i got into them so kid a came out when i was 15 and i definitely remember hearing about kid a but i was not the type of kid who was gonna deep dive kid a at 15 you know i was listening to like pop punk albums at that point and i still listen to pop punk albums most of the time but i think um hail to the thief which i think was 2004 um or maybe 2003 is uh i listened to that album a lot and then got really into kid a like two years later and i probably listened to kid a i bet i've listened to kid a more than any other album like really ever yeah and i've been listening to it nonstop since listening to this like three hour deep dive onto it and it's so good man i can honestly that this I can't really recommend the podcast because it's only for people who are really into whatever band they're covering. But if you like Radiohead, oh, you got to check it out. It's it's honestly really, really fun. The, the, the host is, in my experience, kind of annoying, but the music is so good. And the background story is so interesting. If you like all the songs that it doesn't matter. It's it's so rad and i think so it sounds like it's like your fun whatever band you're really into if band's playing has an episode on them you'll love it totally like they have one on metallica that's that's supposed to be really good um yeah they have and it's mostly bands that are a little bit off the beaten path like i don't think there's like a taylor swift one or something you know what i'm saying but there's um yeah i I, only bands that i've known that i've been into are like bands like neutral milk hotel they'd have one on rilo kiley which is kind of cool that's cool so yeah but bands playing an unasked for recommendation check out the radiohead episodes they're so good Seamless transition to the podcast, to the uh, song of the day. Tom York is king. Let the earth rejoice. (laughs) All right, friends, this is Psalm 97. It goes like this. The Lord is king, not Tom York. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees it and is afraid. The mountains melt like wax before the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. Confounded be all who worshiped carved images and delight in false gods. Bow down before him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the cities of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you are the Lord, most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light has sprung up for the righteous and joyful gladness for those who are true hearted. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Well, this is an instance of what are called the enthronement psalms. Uh, So there are a number of psalms. A lot of them are in the 90s, 93 through 99. Psalm 47 is another instance of this genre of psalms where it celebrates uh, the kingship of God. The Lord is king, we say at the very beginning. I think it's helpful, a reminder that, at least for me, and the way I thought of the psalms like growing up, and I thought of them as like private devotional poetry. You know, the psalmist in his uh, corner of his room or her room 
you know, scribbling lines of devotion like George Herbert would or something like that. But this is a psalm, a very particular instance of a psalm where this is really something that was to be enacted or prayed by the people of God. And you, so you can imagine, you have to piece this together, obviously. We don't know this, but what scholars say is a psalm like this very well might have been used liturgically by the people of Israel in their worship in the temple. And it was a way for the community, the worshiping community, to say, you know, in a community, in a world surrounded by rival deities, that there is one God who is king and it is Yahweh, the Lord. And so all the earth, the multitude of the isles um, should be glad in recognizing that God is king. That's the first verse, obviously, and that announced the theme of the psalm, the kingship of God. And then the rest of the psalm, and as it relates to creation, the peoples of the world, and then finally, the people of God, how they are to interact with this God who has been proclaimed king and verse two to move right into the psalm you know it moves into god riding on the storm right like a you can imagine like in it shows like the crown you know a royal procession of officials and generals and whatever kind of preceding the entrance of the king and what this psalm is saying is that god's procession are like the gnarliest thunderstorms you could imagine he wears thunderstorms like kings wear robes you know clouds and darkness around about him a fire goes before him it's this theophany this like you know, the pyrotechnical theophany that uh, precedes the advent of God, who is king. So pretty, pretty fantastic stuff. Have you ever heard Michael W. Smith's first worship album? <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's a live album. And at the very beginning, there's this Pentecostal preacher who reads this psalm. Wow. And He's reading the psalm and he's getting really intense. And by verse six, he says, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples will see his glory. Do you want to see his glory? We want to see your glory, God. Rain it down. So it was just like super intense. And, uh, you know, just to connect to what you're saying, it's uh, sometimes my Pentecostal charismatic friends, man, they, they get this kind of like the Lord is king and he's mm. coming into our midst. Um, and I remember as, you know, as a kid, I forget when that book probably came out 1999 or something like that. I would feel goosebumps whenever it was just kind of like, felt like the movement of the spirit when that was. How could it not, happening. dude? We could, that's powerful stuff. I love that. <laughs> also, kind of, we'll put kinda, that in the show notes. <laughs> kind of scary, I'm assuming, but you know, that's all right. That's all right. Um, well, Ben, what do you, what do you think about this imagery of fire? You know, the fire of God, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies on every side. I think you know, Deuteronomy 4 verse 24 says, for the Lord, your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. What do you, what do you make of this, this imagery of the fire of God? Yeah. I mean, the only way I know how to understand of that, other than looking to events like the Exodus event is to think of the fire of God as the love of God, the love of God that burns and consumes all that is wrong and unwell all of our negative character traits, all of our sins. And, you know, it's, it's scary, right? It's, uh, you know, on some of them, there's joy in this Psalm, but the, <laughs> there's definitely fear for those who do not receive him. Um, but I think the good news in all of it is that it is where our impurities are being removed. Everything that hurts God's creatures is being burned up because God's love can't abide that which hurts his creatures. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, but that that removal of impurity is a it's a uh, it's 
That's really good. The fire of God, man. Yeah. That'd be a great, I always think of these ideas of like, if I had all the time in the world and all the discipline in the world to develop these beautiful thematic sermon series is not like a sermon series on the fire of God. That would be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, be careful with like who your co-preachers are, like who else would be preaching that series. (laughs) You never know what they might say. None of the bozos that work with me. Kidding. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm totally joking. But yeah, that way. Yeah. That's, that's really, yeah, that, I mean, I grew up in the Pentecostal charismatic world that you were referencing earlier and that, that language of like, fire, you know, like I have very vivid memories of like, especially when I was a kid, like I would just kind of watch these things happen. Like what is going on? People would be like praying for each other. Like, and they would just say like fire, 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 Lord. That was a way of like zapping people, like the empire, the emperor and, you know, um, the return of the Jedi, like electricity, you know, shooting from his hands, you know, that kind of a thing. It's, uh, it's so intense. Yeah. Come on, man. We're not changed by our minds or our wills. We're changed by our affections. We gotta, we gotta feel it. Amen. I agree. Well, so uh, moving into the Psalm later in the Psalm. So yeah, this notion that God is King, it has, there's a, a, a reverence here, you're right. Clouds and darkness and fire goes before him. The earth sees it and is afraid. There's some, you know, being the presence of that type of majesty, that type of purity is engenders, you know, reverence, like, oh my gosh, you are a jealous God. But uh, in verse eight, it, it kind of shifts focus a little bit to the people of God, the ones whom God has called and, and redeemed. And it says, Zion, you know, Jerusalem, the people of God hears and is glad the cities of Judah rejoice. So there is this, in some ways, I think there is this implicit contrast here in the Psalm between those who see God's majesty and power and are rightly like sobered and the people of God sobered as well, but there is a gladness, there's a joy, there's a delight in, even in God's austerity because of, well, the because of says a lot about your theological commitments, but as Christian readers of scripture, we would say like, yeah, we can rejoice even in God's judgment because the judge has been judged in our place. So even in this Psalm, we see a little hint of the gospel, like the judgment of God is scary and it's not something to be sentimental about but we can be glad in it we can rejoice in it because god's judgment is that which justifies us i think that this the language about the worship of carved images or or idols well that's probably primarily referring to those who are not the people of god i think it's fine to interpret this for those of us who are have been grafted in who do believe in god we do believe in christ that this fire of God is working to burn these images or these idols that we have that we just can't quit. Uh, Maybe that's money. Maybe that's our career. Maybe that's sex, whatever it is that we are worshiping these false gods that we bow down to this God, who's not going to abide anyone else is going to, (laughs) to burn this up. And that too, I think is, is good news. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I like all, everyone in the world, you know, uh, having been glued, whether whatever your form of media is to these stories about what's happening in Ukraine. I read this deeply reported, heartbreaking story about a very particular family in this region, this suburb of Kiev that was decimated by Russian troops. And um, it reminded me, who's that uh, that theologian that people really like? He's from I think he's from the Balkans. Yeah, he taught Miroslav Wolf. And I, he talks about this that like our hesitancy or 
maybe even our ambivalence to talk about the judgment of God and the reality of the necessity of judgment and its connection to justice, that people in the West are oftentimes hesitant to talk about that because they haven't experienced that type of like pure unadulterated evil before. Right. And that's always, that's always dangerous to speak like that. Of course, like the line of good and evil runs through all of our hearts, but nevertheless, you know, having just read about some of the atrocities that are going on there and not just, of course, there all over the world, it kind of is a reminder to me, it's brought in a fresh way. Like, yeah, if you're someone whose life has been utterly decimated by evil by powers and principalities working through nation states and, and armies, then this notion that the fire of God will purify and remove everything that is wrong about the world is something to rejoice in, to be clad in because of God's judgments. And it seems like once the fire comes, once our idols are burned away, we see in verse 11, light has sprung up for the righteous. In some translations, it's it shines on us. It's sown in us. So there's, here's like the end game. The end game is holiness. I still sh- kind of shudder at that word because it's often used pejoratively. It's, but it's wellness, wholeness, holiness, um, and the beauty that it brings, the joyful gladness for those who are true hearted. Um, and that's, that's why we worship. Uh, yeah. I, with that? Yeah. No, the, um, the language of sowing, I'm glad you brought that up yeah this is um this is from uh tim keller's commentary on the psalms the songs of jesus and he reflects on that a bit and he you know he says basically if we remove our idols verse seven confounded be all who worship carved images into light and false gods when we remove these idols when god graces us with the determination to remove our idols um, we believe in christ god's spirit indwells us and god sows light in us and like a seed that grows, it will spread wisdom and beauty in our lives. We find what we see in the world and in our own hearts making more sense. And people around us see us slowly but surely turning into something loving and beautiful. God sows light in us. Light has sprung up for the righteous. It's a really cool image to talk about what the gospel is all about. You know, the light being sown in you and flowering in elegance and purity and poise and all the wonderful things the spirit does. Yeah. Which sounds so much different than I think what gives, you know, holiness, a bad name is oftentimes we just equate it with self-righteousness or something mm. like that. And, uh, but the holiness we're talking about here, the, the fire that burns all that is wrong in us is actually this beautiful thing. And when we see it. We've talked about this in the past, but it's, it's so unselfconscious. There's, there's something that's really attractive about this in our mentor figures or those people we really admire. It's, and it's, it's attractive enough to make me, us want to pursue that. Um, so that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Psalm 97, the Lord is King. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees it and is afraid. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all who worship carved images and delight in false gods. Bow down before him all you gods. Zion hears and is glad and the cities of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. 
for you are the Lord, most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light has sprung up for the righteous and joyful gladness for those who are true hearted. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.